Recorded during the plague year 2020, this is the Andromeda Minute. Each week, we get together to talk about the all-too-timely 1971 Robert Wise-directed techno-thriller, The Andromeda Strain, one minute of screen time per episode. I'm one of your hosts, Jim O'Kane of TVDads.com. And joining Jim is Jordan Rich, WBZ Radio Boston, and also host of the podcast On Mike with Jordan Rich. Jordan, thanks for spending the week with us here. It's always a pleasure, and uh, I just, I, I love talking movies with somebody who loves talking movies. Oh, you, you couldn't have picked a better week. I'm dying to do something different, and this is great fun, Jim, and just getting together with you is a blast. Great. Even if it's talking about dead birds, and, or, or not, <laughs> not not yet dead birds, but uh, birds eating dead things. So, yeah. uh, we're back uh, over, over the town of Piedmont, New Mexico, and uh, looking down at a church parking lot that has a uh, Oh gosh! At least a dozen vultures. I, you know, somewhere there is somebody that has a uh, is a vulture wrangler. I'm sure. I just, uh, you, it's amazing, isn't it? There's something for everybody in the film world. I, it's like cars, vintage autos. You you see these current Netflix productions with cars from the 40s and 50s, hundreds of them. It seems. No, yeah. it's it's true. There's somebody who has everything covered <laughs> somewhere. Yeah, and I'm sure there's I'm sure there are tricks in the trade that they're actually like turkeys, and they've figured out a way to paint the turkeys so that they look like vultures. <laughs> there's, it, it, but in in this thing, it, you you do believe that those are uh, uh, birds chewing on. Well, uh, nowadays they they would CGI them in. I think at some point, you know, they'd be able oh, to do that. But the, yeah, for not sure. Back but then. yeah. No, Robert Wise being old school, he's very much uh, what they call the floor effect, the practical mm -hmm. uh, things. Uh, I wondered how many days it took them to set this up and how, how frequently they had to film it because the continuity on having the bodies in the right places, I mean, I'm, I'm sure they had like chalk marks on the ground or something or maybe a, a, a tennis ball or something that they put down saying, here, you lay down here and we're going mm. we're gonna to shoot this. It, it, yeah, it's it's challenging because you're dealing with the light, the natural light that changes as the sun moves. I mean, that's as we move, I should say. So yeah. that's a huge consideration. And uh, scenes like that, I don't have the notes on, on exactly how many takes, but you got to figure between the helicopter shots, the long shots, the close-ups, uh, it's probably days of shooting for just that's this one minute, you know, yeah. or, or hours anyway. Yeah, and there's there's also I mean as you're as you're watching this the uh, the town during this minute we're we're talking about the minute where uh, the uh, the helicopter bombs the town with a bird pesticide or bird pesticide aviacide I don't know what you'd call the yeah. yellow smoke <laughs> but so, you know obviously people on the ground there has to be uh, the props folks that have to run out set fire to these little yellow grenades and then run back in the buildings and hide while the uh, while they do the flyover so lots of lots of coordination going on and on what it looks like a simple shot, but is actually extremely complex. You know, in the previous uh, episode you and I played around with, we I brought up the subject. I, I wonder what impact, we, we will never know, of course, what impact this would have had on the animals. Uh, because as, as we are recording this, there's been a lot of investigation into whether or not, say, coronavirus is transferable to or contagious to pets. And there have been a few instances that are sketchy. But... I, 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 it's not going to spend a lot of time of my life wondering, but uh, would the buzzards or the, crow, the the crows or whatever, would they have been affected by yeah. that? We don't know. We don't know if their metabolism was equal to the babies or the, the old man. <laughs> yeah, we do. We do see, um, 
we do see, I think we see a dog that was put down in, in this, that there, there's a, there's, there's a, in a later minute, we'll see a dog laying down next to people. Yes. But, uh, but difficult to say what would happen with the birds and birds, of course, uh, have been with us, uh, as uh, harbingers of health since, uh, at least the, well, the, the previous turn of the century, the, the classic phrase, the canary in the coal mine that came out from, uh, uh, that's one of the one of the things about these movies is it makes you go and look up. Well, what does that mean? And, uh, the canary in the coal mine uh, was brought about by a, a fellow named Haldane, who was the uh, father of modern oxygen therapy. Uh, he he researched. Uh, he, he kind of found out what uh, carbon monoxide does to uh, to human beings, and uh, researched how could miners protect themselves. For uh, you know, they, there would be in in coal mines there were uh, pockets of carbon monoxide in with the coal you know the carbonized uh, the, the the rock formation of carbon there would be pockets of uh, carbon monoxide that would kill miners uh, just not even realizing that they were being overcome and he came up with the idea that since uh, uh, the smaller your lungs are the more you were affected by the atmosphere around you you try to find well what's the tiniest animal you could bring with you would a mouse work would a rabbit work and he came up with the idea that canaries uh, are very good uh, probably one of the best indicators of mm -hmm. uh, a toxic environment because uh, they are very vulnerable to airborne poisons um, because they need immense quantity of oxygen to, to let them fly to huge height they, they, they live in the mountains uh, canaries live in you know in the, in the Canary Islands they live in the mountains of, of the Canary Islands and so they would fly places where uh, you know human beings would get altitude sickness so they brought in the canaries even though they're tiny they fill their lungs with as much air as they can they have uh, per uh, unit of volume they use almost twice as much oxygen as we do so if they're pulling in all this uh, this air they're going to be more affected by bad things in the air more than human beings were so in I, I was surprised how late this was this was 1911 uh, he mm -hmm. came up with the idea that they should uh, take canaries with them into the coal mines there became a huge market for uh, for canaries in england and in wales uh that they use these canaries as detectors of carbon monoxide and if you saw the the bird lying at the bottom of the cage get out of there so get out of there it's too bad for the birds they yeah had the tough yeah. job um, uh no it's interesting you should say that um you did some research because a lot of these these films and books uh prompt us to want to know more and I'm always fascinated by, uh, and some of them are science fiction tropes, but they're based in real uh, fact and, and, and nonfiction. And that is two things. One, the idea of decontamination, uh, whether it's gas or ultraviolet light or energy or waves or something, that's been around forever. Uh, during the Buck Rogers days, if you recall. Oh, sure, yeah. And, yeah. and it goes well into the future of science fiction. And the other uh, aspect, which is cogent to this minute and a uh, couple of prior minutes, is the idea that, well, if everything goes wrong, we can scrub it completely with a nuclear bomb. Yeah. The nuclear bomb is the answer that... Now, that's just presumption. You don't... You know, this disease, this bug, what if it thrives on a nuclear reaction what i mean you know, yeah like, yeah no yeah no no one thought of that because this is an earth-based thing and if nothing wipes out stuff like nuclear you know a nuclear weapon exactly. um and it's just it this is um a, a previous guest uh, brian fees mentioned that uh, this is all kind of uh technology porn that you believe 
you know, there's an answer for everything. And again, it's that, it's that hubris idea that, well, we'll just, if there's birds on the ground, we can kill them with, uh, you know, with uh, a couple of uh, gas bombs and that'll, that'll get, that, that'll get rid of the problem. But it doesn't really quite, you know, what about the, what about the birds that feed at night? We saw at the opening of this movie, we saw birds that were, that were feeding at night and uh, the fellow said they come when something's dead. So, uh, did all those birds leave town? Did any of them die there while they were eating all this, uh, inf- you know, diseased flesh? What, mm-hmm. you know, it's not, these are not perfect solutions. And, and Jim, would you remind me and in, in doing so remind the audience, uh, and this is again, it's all fiction, but what happens to the humans who are victims here? What, what horrible, uh, you know, condition do they find themselves in when they're well, what, afflicted with the disease? Yeah, what, what we what we see later on in this film is that they are uh, their their hemoglobin, the bl- their blood uh, solidifies. It, it removes all the fluid from the from their uh, blood, and uh, nothing's left but hemoglobin, uh, or it, it turns into basically like a red sand. So it's unlike anything anything they've ever seen before much like you know we're talking about now with uh with the current virus that we have the people are having lung diseases like no one's ever seen before that uh, the lungs fill with fluid at a rate much faster than say standard pneumonias um so trying to deal with uh there's a couple of ways of dealing with uh, disease and disease you either attack the uh the infection or you treat the symptoms and hope that you can help the patient outlive the onslaught that the disease is is going on one of the one of the cures for typhoid before there was any kind of a, a vaccine against typhoid was to fo- typhoid makes you lose uh, fluids rapidly you you wind up with diarrhea you wind up with uh, vomiting you you mm-hmm. you die by dehydration so the way to cure that is no matter what you did you you took sugar salt and water and just had the patient ingest large quantities of water with uh, with uh, electrolytes in it, and you're just basically counterbalancing the dehydration with extreme hydration. Uh, so that's you know that that's it's not the best way, but it, it keeps the patient alive long enough that their their body's defenses can can mount right. an offense right. to, to this. But uh, it, it took the the amazing imagination of Crichton based on his knowledge of science though to come up with something that was so alien uh, because it is alien and thereby causing you know all of the great science in 1970 uh, couldn't deal with it at first couldn't figure it out Um, and I think that's what makes the the movie so compelling and unfortunately it's uh, prophetic because we're dealing with something ultimately we feel confident we'll find a way to deal with it effectively with a vaccine. But right now it's, uh, it's still a very scary time. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, again, it's, it's all this whole idea of we're messing around with things we don't know about. And it's, you know, we, we don't, we think of ourselves as a modern society. We're in the 21st century. The future's here. We can, we can have, we have computers in our pockets and we can talk around the world and there's satellites that you can, you can watch any television show that you want. But we're still, we're, we're, there's so much in the world that is unknown. We don't have the solutions to everything, although we like, you know, I think we keep ourselves calm by, by you know, pretending we do know everything. And uh, when, we're, when we're confronted in situations like this with this, it's like, well, where, is, where, where are the smart people that are, have figured this out for us already? Um, I, I wonder if that's, I, 
I, I keep thinking about this in comparison with the uh, with nine eleven. With we're uh, before nine eleven, uh, I think a lot of the the familiar idea that we all had was that there was some kind of a defense that uh, there were. You know, like in, in Washington, Washington had missiles that could shoot down anything that would come in. You could never attack any building in Washington. And we, after 9-11, we found out that wasn't the case. We have fallible human beings, and you, you can't solve a problem by shooting down a plane full of people. Right, right, right. So and uh, another thing, if I can bring it up, I, I sure. love this, this, again, this approach to science and science fiction that Crichton had, and ultimately the film uh, develops in. And that's why I was hoping you would explain what happens to the to the victims, the human victims, their blood crystallizes. And yes. what he was trying to get at was the life form that we think about, which we we know to be true, has to have DNA, has to have a certain carbon base, but we're talking about the potential for a life form that would be crystallized and crystal-based, which is totally anathema to anything we know. And yeah. yet, if we keep an open mind, why couldn't there be a different kind of life? I, I just love this this uh, hypothesis that is raised in the film. Yeah, and, and that you'd have to come up with it. Like, like nowadays, we, we talk about killing human you know, or Earth-based life forms by recombinant DNA and things. But yeah, as, as you said, what if there's, there is no DNA? What if it's just a crystal? What if it, it's hard? To, it's not life as, as we define life, but it, it affects our lives. And it, it, right. seems to have, it seems to have its own structure and its own abilities. So eventually, as as we get into the movie, it can be killed in a way that's very different than uh, that we would normally uh, treat something. Um, yeah, it, it, and uh, of course, that's why it's such a dramatic thrill fest from beginning to end because we don't know if there is a solution. We we assume there is because of the the flashback. They they figured it out, but how they get there is the is the fun. And I, I keep coming back though to uh, what this minute's all about. It's that stark view and how the helicopter is such an important factor in this, you know, the overview. Uh, isn't that, and I'm going to bow to you, Mr. Scientist, because you have a sense of this, but in, in study and in scientific theory and developing processes, you have to have that overview first, right? You have to look at everything from a from a distance and then zero in on specifics. Am I overstating? Yeah, I, 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 I agree. I mean, you have to look at, you have to first define the pro the problem. You need a, you need a, uh, to define what the problem is. Then you have to build a requirements definition of what you need to do to solve. What's the problem you're trying to solve. So that's, that's what these folks are here. Now they're, they're picking up the investigation They're They're getting the basic facts down. They know they're, they know there's a problem, but they don't know what that problem is. Right. And, uh, you know, here we have this mystery that they, that all they know about right now is a satellite came back to Earth, and uh, the two people that were sent in to pick up the satellite reported seeing a lot of dead bodies, and then uh, th they disappeared. There was a single flyover by a, by an aircraft that got pictures of bodies laying across mm -hmm. the ground, and that's all the data that they had. So, so these guys have to go in and do a, an in situ. Uh, uh, examination of what what the issues are. So it's a, it's very much a CSI episode, I think. <laughs> yeah, with with one additional caveat, and it again relates to today, our frontline defenders in today's crisis uh, are taking a risk. We know that they've been affected, and the characters in this film, uh, who are all brilliant and they're all 
well versed and in and prepared are still humans with fears that they could in fact be killed and and there's a lot of discussion i think at some point in the film about who and we won't give it away here but who's a the best person to initiate the self-destruct and there's a very good reason that he's chosen but I, I just i just think it's kind of interesting you know we we minimize the threat against those in the suits the protective suits but we know that threat can be severe as we've seen today well for sure yeah and and the uh, and the other side of of all of this investigation is um we are expecting them we are expecting them to know wh uh, what to do because these are the, you know, these the, as as Indiana Jones would put it, top men. These are the top men. They they seem like they would know what to do, but here they're facing something that doesn't have any of uh, analog on Earth. Uh, so uh, we don't, you know, and at this point in the film, we don't know uh, why all these people are dead, other than some creepy thing happened, and uh, and they're they're going to have to spend the next two hours exploring. What you know, what they can, what they can do with the uh, with the minimal information that they have. Um, I just I I enjoy the the thing that I enjoy most of this is how this is where the rubber hits the road for uh, for Doctor Stone. He's as we were, to, we were talking about this entire week that here's the reality of what he was discussing around a uh, you know highly polished uh, faculty room uh, table, <laughs> and uh, and now it's coming it, coming to fruition. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's uh, and it it's stark and shocking, and you know, in 1970, it's very colorful. So it's very, you know. <laughs> well, all I can say, Jim, is when that military uh, sedan pulls up in front of your posh Tony house while you're having a cocktail party, and they say, "Doctor Stone, you must come with us immediately." Uh, you should probably uh, tell the wife you won't be home for dinner. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, he's he's got some explaining to do when he gets back I'm he does sure. he does absolutely, absolutely. Uh, wow well this is this has been a wonderful week jordan thank you so much for be, being a part of the show uh i i love talking movies with you all the time uh you are you have endlessly fascinating takes and uh just you you provide a lot of compelling content so this well, it makes a show making a show like this very easy to do i will t say this to the audience and i think they they can tell from our on air on podcast connection uh, jim is one of the sweetest people on the planet and uh we've had a long fruitful relationship uh behind microphones and in front of and behind them but uh this was a great great treat and i hope to do more with you in future podcasts with future great films oh please do it's it's always always a pleasure jordan and where can uh, as as we've talked before where can people hear uh more of your uh golden voice and uh <laughs> Sure. Excellent, uh, excellent content. Thank you. Doing a lot still with WBZ Radio, which is a 50,000-watt news talk radio station in Boston. Um, and that's WBZ1030.com. There are podcasts there, as well as uh, my main podcast, On Mike with Jordan Rich, which you can Google and find anywhere, and JordanRich.com. That'll get you there. Awesome. Wow. And for folks who'd like to talk about uh, the, these particular week of episodes that we've, we've had um uh, please go to any of our social media on uh, Facebook, of course, Project Wildfire at Facebook, or on Twitter, you can find us at Andromeda Minute. Uh, it, uh, the big site that we have out there, AndromedaMinute.com, has all of our previous episodes, or you can pick them up on any of our familiar podcatchers like uh, Spotify, 
Google Play or uh, what's the big one? Oh, Apple Podcasts, uh, which used to be iTunes, and I can never remember to, to make the make the switch when when talking about it. But yes, Apple Podcasts is a place to find us. Uh, we will be back uh, more next week with uh, uh, more dead birds and uh, getting down on the ground at, at Piedmont. In the meantime, please uh, uh, stay well and uh, maintain your proper distance. Uh, wear a mask uh, when you're outdoors, and always wash your hands. Oh, good advice in a plague year or not. But we will see you here uh, next week on the Andromeda Minute. Very flattering. We don't know much more than when we got here.